Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to in your tea break. My name's Arthur Moore, and with me, as always, is Michael Harrell. Hi, Mike. Hi, Arthur. How are you? I'm not too bad today. Thank you very much. Uh, what are you drinking today? I a strong Ceylon tea today. Ooh. Is, is that because you're back, think... at, you're back at school now, aren't you? So you're having to step up your tea to keep you going. I'm back at online school. We're, uh, we're still in lockdown here in Thailand. So we're back at online teaching, which means I'm going for copious amounts of tea every day because I'm so close to my kitchen. Oh, there can be some more exciting tea. I, I'm sure the listeners look forward to in the coming weeks, you exploring your tea uh, reserves and seeing what there is. Um, it's my main watch- takeaway from our first 15 episodes. I drink really boring tea. <laughs> and you've already pre-warned me, listeners. You've got a good podcast recommendation. Go for it. Yeah, the BBC podcast. I love a BBC podcast. It's called Gangster. And it's all about uh, a, a gangster from Salford, in the 80s, 90s, and um, kind of the episode I'm on now is into the noughties. Uh, it's a, an era of the country I should know I should know more about as a Man United fan, uh, but don't because I live in London, or I did live in London. Uh, but a very, very interesting story and a very well-told um, story on the podcast. So I'd recommend Gangster by BBC. What have you been doing this week? Uh, well, it's still the summer holidays here for all, so very enjoyable times. I've been listening to a bit of F1, so I've been going on to Beyond the Grid which is when Tom Clarkson, very well-read man about F1, goes and talks to um, people from the F1 world, but not just the races, the engineers, old engineers, people behind the marketing. So really good. There's some great episodes on there. Uh, The one with Lewis Hamilton, which is episode one, is always like my favourite because I'm a Hamilton fanboy. But some of the more recent ones where he's been going really obscure engineers, you learn a lot about the, the culture behind F1 and how it's all about the stopwatch they're always talking about the stopwatch so if you like f1 beyond the grid is excellent sounds riveting it is pun intended <laughs> and, and on that note i think we should move on mike so should we tell people to go brew up um get a biscuit i've got a rich tea today i've got an old school nice rich tea to get me through the pod uh, so brew up and when we come back we're going to be talking to lucy spencer see you in a moment <laughs> Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. With us today is Lucy Spencer. So for those who don't know, Lucy is the Vice President of the Tutors Association. Uh, She's the founder of Education Boutique, and she was also recently awarded Thames Valley Female Entrepreneur of the Year. She's a tutor, ex-teacher. I could go on with the CV, Lucy, (laughs) but I shan't. Welcome to Tea and Teaching. Ah, thanks guys. Hi Arthur, hi Mike. So nice to have you. I think we're going to kick off with Mike Carroll. He's got some questions about tutoring because he knows nothing about tutoring. So, Mike, I know you've, <laughs> you've got some questions that you didn't want to ask me, a tutor who you've known for five years, but you wanted to ask someone who really knows what they're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm only here really to speak to the experts, not you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I've my contact with tutors is over the years, students saying to me, I have a tutor. That's as, as much yeah. as I know. So my kind of questions, Lucy, would be, who can become a tutor? Um, is it a job that anyone can do? Do you need certain qualifications, the same as a teacher? Um, and if you were started to tutor, is there mm-hmm. kind of a, a code of ethics and a, a kind of guideline of, of how you should be doing that in order to yeah. kind of legitimise it as a, as a profession? 
Yeah, it's such a great question. And I have to say, like, I used to be exactly the same. I used to teach in a class and the only thing, the only time I'd ever heard of a tutor was literally when I was like, oh gosh, they've got a tutor and they're teaching it a different way and whatever. I was that person, I get it, like I really do. And so my understanding of tutoring developed when I actually taught in Dubai Um, and out there, um, a lot of teachers were also asked to tutor to just support, you know, education out there is so important to the families, um, especially when they feel a little bit disconnected from England they're maybe going to go back there in the future so tutoring was really prevalent out there and I sort of began to think oh gosh didn't really realize that this was actually what tutoring was I think as a teacher you sort of assume it's just like someone who's not qualified working away against what you're teaching them and you know you sort of feel a bit of resentment to them because I I was totally that person Um, when I came back to England after teaching in Dubai that's when I sort of got into tutoring and um, because because I basically just did been become a little bit disillusioned with where my career was going in a school to be honest with you I just was thinking like am I going to be doing this for 40 years like I I don't think I I can't imagine it you know and I, I wanted to like create my own brand of education um so when I left and started tutoring it was just me and um in it's kind of like it is anyone can do it you know anyone can do it and that's the thing um you know I think for me now obviously having the company we've got quite a few tutors that work um for education boutique the most important thing and I've gone on a bit of a journey with this as well when I started um, the company I was like I only want qualified teachers because as a teacher you're like well they've done they all got all the pedagogical knowledge they've got the experience in schools they'll understand the curriculum it's almost like a shortcut in your recruitment <laughs> do you know what I mean because you can just be like tick they've ticked that box that's great um but actually um understanding more about the role of a tutor and the fact that that one-to-one um you know th- there's tutors that work in schools that's the SEND department you know they take them for interventions and that's one-to-one but they don't call them tutors you know um so effectively a tutor is just someone who works one-to-one with a pupil to help them fill gaps to help extend them them, to help them sort of re-engage with learning if they've become a bit disengaged with it there's so many different ways that a tutor can support a child um, but for me the big thing is that yes there is no like this is what we have to be you know there's no tick box to say yes I've done this qualification I'm now a, a you know I can now tutor anyone can do it obviously with that comes <laughs> you know, the teacher side of me is a bit like, "Eh," you know, we kind of need to make sure that obviously this is where the Tutors Association comes in. We obviously have the Code of Ethics, which all of our members sign up to. It's really important that, you know, you've got someone sort of looking out over like, you know, who's signing up to be a tutor and things. Um, The other thing is that we've actually just changed so that all... um, believe it or not, until about a year ago, you didn't even, there was no one that was going to check your DBS. That's that's the mad thing, you know, safeguarding. Um, so obviously we're changing that. Um, now all of our members of the, um, the TTA will have to um, have their enhanced DBS on the update service. Um, and, and obviously that's really important. I mean, the, it, it's crazy to think that, that, you know, in England, it's not more regulated than that. Um, and then, you know, so we've got the code of ethics, we've got the, um, the DBS. And then really for me, it's all about like finding the right, 
fit personality wise because just because you're a qualified teacher and this is how kind of my understanding of tutoring has developed is that you know I interview a lot of teachers who want to be tutors um, and and I just became I got to this realization where I thought actually it's not the fact that they've done a teaching qualification that makes them a good tutor it's the fact that they like live breathe education they're just so passionate about their subject they they sort of that that passion will like kind of diffuse into the child you know or the person that they're working with because it, it it's really about just having that um that kind of curiosity to always want to know more and not thinking I'm the teacher so the child has to learn from me and I'm the holder of all the education and they're going to I'm going to pass it on to them it's a two-way process um, and so for anyone listening who maybe like I did you know think that a tutor was just like that person that is kind of going against what you're what you're teaching at school that's absolutely not the case and obviously unfortunately sometimes you're only as good as the weakest links you know in terms of that some people will um, maybe not be such you know um, great tutors or great advocates for the tutoring industry um, and yeah you like with any business you're always going to get some people who are not quite as um, sort of good or looking to really work with the schools but that's where this idea of a professional private tutor and the tutor association comes in basically yeah, I, I recently moved to being a full-time tutor as you know Mike and like yeah. I'm I still do a lot of the things you would essentially call a teacher I still plan my lessons I still deliver yeah. the sessions and I still occasionally do some marking after lessons in slightly different yeah. contexts and I'm still the end goal is to get the student to get the opportunities, whatever that need. And that's normally an exam focused like it is as a teacher, but we also do other things of building a, a, a love of the subject. So I was exactly the same, especially with maths, a kid would come in like, oh, my tutors told me how to do this. And I'd be like, your tutor is wrong. Listen to me, ignore them, but well done for having a tutor. Um, and I'd get defensive because I'd be like, this, this student's achievements should be mine, but, yeah. but I don't want that because it's not my... So, it's a really good question, Mike. Um, but I think, and this links to the blog Lucy wrote, who will put a link on Twitter for everyone for this. Like, yeah. I think literally I'm going to quote Lucy's blog saying, we're on the same side, Mike. Don't fear us. Embrace yeah. us. We're your friends. Does that kind of answer your question, Mike? Yeah, it doesn't. I, I had no idea that uh, the kind of DBS checks were, were that recent for tutors. Yeah. Um, but I guess like your recommendation then is if you're if you'd be looking to hire a tutor to make sure that they're they're affiliated. Um, is it the tutors association you said? Mm, yeah. It's affiliated to that and and just make sure that they're a credible tutor, I guess. Totally. And I'm um, obviously there's been like agencies like mine you know, and, and ones that have been around a lot longer, they've actually, they've been the ones that have said, no, we need your DBS. So I'm not saying that there hasn't been a DBS in the tutoring industry before, but it just hasn't been like a requirement. You know, it's not been, obviously for if you work with an agency, they set their own requirements. So I think that's where parents do quite like working with agencies sometimes because they know that there's that extra level of checking and verification behind it. Um, and I think from a parent point of view, um, looking out for um, someone that's a member of the TTA also has its own benefits because if you have an issue with a tutor and it's just an independent tutor that's not affiliated to something like the TTA, who do you complain to like 
you know um but if so if there's a member of the tta then there was an issue they can parents can come and they can, can make a formal complaint we have a complaints uh, committee um and and you know it it, it that's another level of support that, um, you know, picking a tutor that has has signed up as a member um, sort of offers to your to your clients, which is another good thing, I think. If I was a parent uh, getting a tutor, I'd always just ask DBS Enhanced, not just DBS checks, DBS yeah. Enhanced check, who you're affiliated with, whether that's a company, the TTA or whoever, and are you insured? I'd also ask that question because insurance yeah. is normally a good indicator of how uh, professional they professional. are. You, you want someone who in, insured because it shows they're taking their company seriously. Um, should we take a quick biscuit break, Mike? And then when we come back, we'll start talking about a bit more about this relationship between uh, tutors and teachers and how we can all kind of be friends and hug and cheer together. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. So, Mike, we're talking about tutors and teachers as a as a current practicing teacher what what would you like from tutors um or what do you what do you want from tutors or do you even want to know we exist of course tutors being out there is always going to be beneficial to students i think as a as a scholar i mean we we have it in our contracts that our teachers aren't allowed to tutor our own students um in our school because it's a conflict of interest sometimes um, but I know a lot of our students have private tutors outside of school. And for me, I'm always a bit wary because I don't want them contradicting what students are told in school. I don't want messages like your teachers taught you that wrong. Stuff like that. I don't, I, I want that partnership really, if parents are going to do it. And I want it to almost legitimize what's going on in the school. Um, and I think that's where tutoring really becomes beneficial when it becomes an add on to school not a kind of contradiction Absolutely. yeah i really like it. there was a line in your blog loose it was like blending seamlessly i think it was like because we're doing yeah. the same things to that learning experience if we can kind of do the same things like totally. i know when i tutor i sometimes tutor what the pupil is doing in class i will help them with homework but sometimes i'll kind of go around topics to kind of help with retrieval and kind of the memory side of it also i think it kind of depends i don't know if that's kind of your perspective on it lucy yeah, I mean, the first thing that we do when we take on a new client is we say, which school do you go to so we don't match you with a teacher that teaches at school? And secondly, we want to know the school because we want to actually go on the website, download the curriculum plans. If the curriculum plans aren't on your school website, if you ever get emails from parents going, is it possible to get the curriculum plan for the thing? It's not, you know, that's because we've asked them to do that. You know, that's that's coming from a tutor kind of thing. And then we will seamlessly map out, bearing in mind what we know of the child's strengths and weaknesses. If we see that you're going to be covering ratio in two weeks time, and we know the kid's not even, you know, confident on fractions, we will be pre-teaching for those two weeks to make sure that they come to those lessons with the underpinning knowledge that you hope that they still have from the previous year, you know? Um, so I think what we do is we know that the curriculum that's being taught at school is quite rigid and we'll try and like you know 
boost the child you know for those different bits not so that it artificially inflates what you think that they can do naturally but so that when they're in the lesson um, in that group situation it's almost like revision and practice for them where they're already you know sort of working in that zone of confidence where they're not sort of thinking oh gosh I'm gonna let my teacher down I don't remember that I don't remember that and this anxiety has got to be got rid of for children you know happy children learn best and so I think from from that point of view yeah I think we do um, really link in but obviously not everyone does that but that's what a professional private tutor will be doing they will be linking in with everything you do at school do you find sometimes there's a bit of um, reluctance from a school to maybe give up their curriculum plans and things like that because the idea of someone getting a tutor is almost to some schools or maybe some teachers are kind of you're not good enough they need something extra like you, you're not capable of teaching them to the right level do you get that kind of well, um, we would never ask for like the full curriculum planning it would just be you know like the overview that they send to parents at the beginning you know sort of medium term plan style not sort of the in-depth sort of stuff um so I never find that the pet you know the parents would never say it's for a tutor we always just ask the parents and just ask them to sort of say hey can you just um let us know sometimes they put it out like in a week monthly or weekly newsletter or whatever and parents would just send that to us um but what is quite good for us as tutors is to know roughly what you're going to be covering in each week in you know say the half term for example because then we can plan our sessions around that rather than having to be reactive to like oh they've struggled in this oh let's fill that gap oh they've struggled in this let's fill that gap because then that's always playing to the pressure and the stress of the child whereas if we know what's coming up we can sort of as you say like Arthur seamlessly kind of generate the lessons that will support and like allow that child to kind of flourish in school learning as well as outside because at the end of the day and this is the one thing that I just can't understand um is we all on the same team because all of us want that child to go into life being prepared for the future and you know with the top like the having achieved the maximum that they can possibly achieve and we know that that doesn't just mean academically um so if they have a problem in a certain subject why shouldn't we all work together and it's like it's no different to having a send department you know that are pulling children out to do one-to-one but people in their head have just got this idea that oh because it's like a private tutor I mean quite honestly um I know I say this in the blog like if it wasn't for SEO and having to rank on Google I wouldn't call myself a tutor I'd be calling us all educators but I've definitely been told that I'm not allowed to do that yet because we wouldn't rank so (laughs) that's not and we're not quite there yet but you know what I mean we're all educators so why do we have this teacher tutor thing because we all just want the best for the kids that's it just to add that I I very rarely do what you would call like a teacher lesson Mike like I very rarely kind of do that that introduction teaching moving on like I quite often help with either the pupils who are kind of that prior knowledge before the lesson to help them out or with the extension questions that they didn't quite get onto in class. You know, sometimes like when the kids, the bell goes and kids are, oh, I was just on that question. Like, oh, take it away and do it for homework. Or if you want to come at break time, I can help you out that. I do so much of that of kids going like, oh, well, I got today's lesson, but I didn't get onto this question. Oh, can I just try this? I do. I do loads of that. Um, and the 
the teachers who I have really good relationships with will email me just occasionally. I'm literally talking maybe once or twice a year and just say, oh, can you go over this with um, like Joe? Because I don't I don't have time to go over fractions again. I spend half an hour with Joe. He's happy. He goes to lesson. He's able to access the learning. The teacher's happy. Seamlessly, we're all best friends. We all have a big hug. Yeah. Agreed. And like, just to add one other thing about tutoring and like the sort of how it works with schools and things like forgetting about the children, which obviously is always our focus. Like there's a massive teacher crisis at the moment. You know, teacher mental health is not in a good way. I can say that because that's why I left six years ago, because I was literally looking at my life being like, I, I just can't do this for another 40 years. I didn't see the end point. And it was because in my brain, I was thinking of like my career in the classroom as totally linear, you know, into the classroom, you exit the classroom in 40 years time, you retire, you do whatever. And the one thing that I think that a lot of people, a lot of teachers haven't thought of um, with tutoring is it's like a giant kind of sieve underneath the kind of classroom teaching thing. Because at the moment, we're losing a lot of amazing practitioners totally from the, the industry of education because they get to the point where they just can't see how they can stay in the classroom. So they leave. They, they're not educators anymore. They're going to move on to something else. Um, and tutoring or, you know, I really do not like calling it teachers and tutors, but educating doesn't have to look like entering a classroom, going to a classroom, teaching in a classroom for your whole career. You know, we have tutors that travel the world. I can sit here and, you know, a, a few um, months ago on the 2nd of July, I did a 24 hour tutathon and I taught 23 different countries in 24 hours, you know, um, right from this seat right here, you know, so the opportunity to educate globally is, um, is just amazing. And I just think that people don't, think about that maybe with tutoring because they don't realize the actual like you know Arthur you've just made the jump to being a full-time tutor do, do you get people that say to you the same thing as they say you know and you know do you do you make as much as you know it's always about the money you know do you make as much as what you did in the classroom you will you be okay I remember my parents being almost mortified that I'd left this safe and secure teaching job and um you know actually it's like goodness it's not about the money first of all but yeah yeah I'll be fine you know like I, I'll be okay <laughs> I, I do get asked that and my normal response is yeah I get to spend loads more time with my son like because that's that's yeah. actually why I left teaching went tutoring was to spend more time kind of as a as a husband totally. and a, as a father with my son so um that's the real benefit for me and I also get to do what I love which is yeah. teaching maths to kind of pupils yeah. all over the UK for me my, yeah. I've got a question for you Mike Mike's a P teacher by by trade back in the day Mike um, if There's you were tutoring out there for PE teachers, is there? Well, I was going to ask if you Disagree. were doing if you were doing football coaching, a kid comes up to you and goes, "Oh, I go to an off-school football club." Would you have the same reaction to that as you would for a tutor for your um, A level, whatever you do, A level P? I can't. What's it called? Sports science, A level oh, sports science. Would oh. you be as as worried about a coach as you would a tutor? A level PE, but. IB, I teach the International Baccalaureate Sport, Exercise and Health Science. So, sorry, I only worked uh, with you for four years, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? It's the bane of PE teachers' lives that when kids come in, especially football in the UK, they come in and they say, my coach has told me this. 
my coach has told me I should play here, I should play there. And you're like, oh. Um, and it, it does, it, it can become quite stressful because um, you get these, you know, the, the weekend coaches who are, you know, sometimes the younger kids are just a parent who's stepping in to help out. Um, and they kind of, they come with a, I play here on the weekend and I do that on the weekend. And, um, and you do get a little bit of conflict of interest, but I would say, you know, if I had anyone, especially going through GCSEP where practical is a significant component of their overall grade and they come in and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to a badminton club now and I'm getting coaching. I, I'm only ever going to encourage that. Um, and I wonder whether that's the same in English, math, science, where tutoring is a bit more prevalent, whether teachers in secondary schools have that same attitude of, oh, yeah, go on, go for it. Brilliant. It's only going to help. Or whether they're a little bit kind of, oh, really? What's you saying? I'm not good enough at this. Um, well, I, I think that's what you said there is so interesting because I have a lot of I'm, I'm doing a lot of um, talking to schools at the moment because obviously we've just joined up with eTeach and they have you know we like education boutiques just come under their little group now so I've been speaking to a lot more schools and it's so interesting that you know sometimes you speak to the most um, kind of abruptly defensive uh sort of schools that are just like no why would we want tutoring you're like oh that's interesting do you have um do you have residential peripatetic music teachers that come into your school and they're like oh yeah we do you know this this <laughs> i'm like okay so if i called myself a residential peripatetic academic coach would that be better for you rather than tutor and they're like oh you know and i think that's the interesting thing is these people or like one-to-one as i've said before you know having do you have like independent or like do you have specialists that come in and take children out for one-to-one sessions oh yeah yeah we have that that's brilliant because it it adds to the and so i think we're at this kind of fairly pivotal point where schools are realizing that tutors are just no different to that and it's what they're doing already and i think that there is sorry mike you go Sorry, I was going to say, I think sometimes schools are reluctant. I was just thinking in my head there, if I was a head teacher of a school, would I have something on my website of saying, if your child would like some additional support, here's some recommended tutors that we use and, and create in partnerships. And then I was thinking, what's the drawback of that? And the drawback is saying to your parents, your child might need extra help. Yeah. In, and some head teachers might see that as a, an admission of, we don't offer what would be deemed an outstanding education and we can't get your child to where they need to be by the end of it. And I see it from both sides. But, but don't you think... The child at the centre of it... Yeah. Having a, a relationship with a tutor and agency could only be a positive thing. And don't you think it's interesting that head teachers, and if you look into industry like corporates, like, cause I'm, I'm getting this now because obviously like we've joined a bigger group and things, you get coaches for your, for your leaders. The head teachers will have coaches or will have, or prob- like depending on the schools, you know, priorities and things. But if you're a new head teacher, you will have a mentor. When you're an NQT, you have an NQT mentor. So this whole idea of one-to-one and the personalized nature of bringing education into here's the group offering, here's the one-to-one offering, like it's no different. And I do believe I, you know, absolutely what you're saying there is so important. Um, but I do think it's interesting that when you actually look at it, you're like, everyone has coaches. I have coaches. Like, you know, 
we all have we want to improve our fitness we get a pt you know there's it, it, we've got to just see it rather than this label of tutor that i think has this such a negative sort of connotation now and probably misconception um maybe a change of language um will just start to make people realize that you know it it's it's just the same i think there's also a cultural historical issue of of privilege here of we mm. and i think this is an interesting topic for a different podcast on tutoring of whether tutoring is just exacerbating maybe privilege which i know is not the case because i know loads of tutoring tutoring sites that specifically don't work for even fees who go to schools and work in in different clever ways with students maybe from other disadvantaged backgrounds so there's definitely that cultural historical element for that but i think it's just that to answer your question mike of like if it's all about almost like ego in that sense like as a teacher when i heard a, a pupil was having a tutor my floor especially as an nqt but i would say that was a reflection on me and that was meant i was doing my job on whereas maybe so i changed that mindset and just said my pupil is enjoying my subject so much that they want to go and do more of it. Or my pupil is really enjoying my class and wants to do even better in my class. Then that's a different mindset. And that's going to, I'm going to recommend a tutor. I'm going to recommend making sure the tutor is qualified related to different industries and stuff like that. But I think that mindset of it, a, a pupil having a tutor is not a comment on you as a teacher. It is never a comment on you as a teacher. Um, I, all, I always say, your teacher is right. I'm maybe going to do it a slightly different way, but your teacher is doing the best way for you. But here's an here's an op, here's an alternative way. Oh, your teacher does does it that way. Oh, let's do it that way then. Like I always, the teacher for me is that number one. Can I ask a question? In terms of the the students that you see for tutoring, where where does the percentage lie in terms of? Do you see those students who are struggling to? Access the subject. Do you see the students that are maybe, especially maybe GCC, those CD borderlines, or do you see this, more of those students who are kind of, I'm on an A, I want to push towards an A star? Like where, where does the percentage lie in terms of uptake? Well, if I jump in and answer that, I think people forget why one to one exists, right? And the reason that one to one exists is because of our fairly antiquated curriculum right that puts so much emphasis on testing if testing wasn't there it could be argued that not so many people would seek out one-to-one because they're not so focused on so if you've got a child that's currently getting a seven they want always an eight if you've got a child that's getting a two they want a three so I think it's impossible to say um you know that that what percentage would be because actually the curriculum means that whatever you're doing, unless you're getting a nine, you can always do better. And I think that's so, so demoralizing for children to constantly be assessed and assessed and assessed. And I understand the place and that that's where we are with education. And I'm not one of these people who thinks, oh, we should just get rid of all assessments because we're not there yet. You know, the people that are leading education in the UK particularly are just not there. Um, you know, if they did that, it would be even worse than it is now. And it's pretty bad already, you know? So I think it, it, it would be always bettering their current position which is kind of what you do in life anyway right so what you're saying is if we can get rid of assessment we can put Arthur Moore out of a job <laughs> more no. assessment <laughs> oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to, answer your, to answer your question Mike my perspective is actually all the work I get is from pupils who need 
grade in order to do something else. I, I don't get many pupils who's like, I, I want to do maths at university. It's pupils, I want to do this at A-level, I need this maths grade. I want to do this at university, I need this maths grade. I want to go to here, so I need this maths grade. So I get pupils who have a very focused, or parents and pupils who have a very focused goal, and part of that goal is they need a five, a nine, an eight, an A-star in maths. So that's where my work comes from, is many students who recognise that they need to be able to do this in order to go and be the best they can be. And personally, for the maths and the, the education that I do, um, I don't ever really work for people that have exams so much. It's always about home education. So there we get to be super creative, create the most like incredible like curriculum that doesn't separate topics and subjects. It's not project-based learning because that's a bit of a buzzword with everyone at the moment, but it's like we go to a place and we're like, what can we learn here? And it comes from the child. So I really value the children developing like an independent kind of quest for knowledge in their curriculum but they're like at the heart of creating it um so mine would be a bit different because of the type of um sort of educational one-to-one things that i do really well lucy thank you so much for your time it's been a really interesting conversation i hope mike has learnt loads mike have you learnt loads I wasn't aware that the, the point of the podcast was to educate me, but um, always, always to educate my parallel. I have a question. Can rename it? I have a Go question. It, Am I allowed to ask a question? So absolutely not. <laughs> Go for we... it. <laughs> Mike, what do you now think is the point or what do you think of tutors? Has it changed? Have we said anything that's made you change what you think about tutors and tutoring? Yeah, I need to go away and process it um, because I, I want to, I'm always thinking forward and I always think, what if I ran a school? Um, and I'm thinking in the future, if I was lucky enough to run a school, what would I want the school's relationship with tutors to be? And I think having those partnerships could be really, really key, but I need the time to process that kind of how you would do that in a really constructive way. Um, I think I think we might need another podcast because I'll talk to you about what I think schools should be run and how they should be run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with teachers and tutors and everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the same model you said in terms of music lessons. Like my my wife is is on a career break from being a PE teacher at the moment, and one of the things she said when she kind of stepped away for a year or two was why don't like why can't I go in and do one-to-one swimming lessons with a, a younger student our school goes all the way down to pre-nursery she's like well if a student's struggling to access their swimming lessons which they have every week at our school why can't I go in as a qualified swim coach and do one-to-one swimming with someone which is really going to benefit them and it's it's that model that kind of music seems to be leading the way in it because of an antiquated model I guess but how can a school incorporate that more but that's definitely something we'd love to have you back on and discuss. <laughs> That's what I've just been doing for two weeks is uh, consulting about the future of schooling and education. So that's like, that's my, that's my dream. And that's my dream. There's topic. a whole other pod. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Lucy, thank we'll you, you so in. much. For your, thank you so much for your time. I know we can find, people can find you on LinkedIn. I know you put loads of great 
resources and kind of links on there. Check out the okay. Tutors Association. You just type yeah. in the Tutors Association. Um, but thank and you the so Tutors much for Association time. has a conference in October as well, which is up on their website as well. Yeah, Yay. it's going to be mental. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Um, Mike, we'll let you give you a few seconds to process and then we'll come back for your key takeaways. See you in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Uh, that was a, a very powerful conversation, Arthur. I had a, a great time with Lucy. Um, very rare. I think you're the first tutor I've ever really spoken to. So it was nice to speak to someone who's also a tutor and slightly more engaging. Um, but there were lots of takeaways from that. What was your key takeaway? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I, I just think it's really interesting because it took me back to when I was a, a teacher in NQT and you get that random email from, I'm a tutor, please let me know what you're doing. And it's taken me back to that instant kind of, um, as I said, like protective, like, why? What am I doing wrong? And I've realised that I, I, tr I do try and overcome this as a, as a tutor I'm now, but it makes me really kind of empathise that I felt that quite strongly. So I really need to take that going forward. So I think the whole relationship between tutors and teachers and schools and education, I think it's a really interesting one. What about, what about you? Yeah, it's made me think about, you know, the whole um, kind of private music tutor coming in. I can never remember. I never say the word correctly. Peripatetic, I think is the right way of saying it. Lucy said it well. Um, she did say it very well. Um, and how schools... How schools can incorporate that so even just sitting here now like thinking that do schools should schools hire their own full-time tutors who work in the evenings but not the school day so would you be a, a and students can then sign up for that service and you can kind of put the help where it's most needed in terms of that extra help and you know maybe they work i don't know three hours a night in groups of one twos or threes or something like that and schools have that as an extra offer um which is obviously budget wise i would assume almost impossible in most mainstream schools but yeah how how that relationship can be strengthened is definitely something i'm considering right now yeah i think it's a really good thing to for those who are in schools to go away and think about is like can, can we as teachers use tutors to kind of help us as teachers fill those gaps do those extra things that how often do we say as a teacher, I wish we had a smaller class size. I wish we had more time. And then there, there is that resource there um, that gives those pupils more time in a smaller class size. It's just not with us. And I think that kind of dynamic of thinking about the ownership of a student's education, like who owns it? Really, the student owns it. So really should be the student decides what they do. I don't know. All, all interesting questions. Definitely. And it takes... It, they're saying it takes a village to raise a child doesn't it so it might take more than just the people in a school to help that that person with their education um yeah i, I never thought about like just the way we use music uh instructors and we don't don't even hesitate do you, to send out a letter to all kids going who would like music lessons with jim he's coming in 25 pound an hour he's great you wouldn't hesitate to send out that letter but if you sent out a letter going arthur would like to tutor your kids for 20 like that'd be weird wouldn't it and why yeah. is that? And they'd all get taken out of PE lessons. You know they would. <laughs> Just coincidence, Mike. Coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that before in schools. But yeah, fantastic chat. And I'd, I'd definitely love to get Lucy back on. 
and talk about the future of education and how that can how that looks in a school and how those two things can come together definitely well thank you for your time mike it's been a pleasure as always uh if you want to rate us, rate us on your podcast platform or get in contact with us at T and Teaching on Twitter. That's the letter T and Teaching. Mike, until next time, goodbye.